Titleist Vokey has SM9 etched wedges. The US one? What do you like? US or Euro? Which one? This is the rare occasion because this is this kills me about the Ryder Cup as an American. Oh, Tony, hitting the bottle early. No putts given. How you living? Here we go. What uh? What do you got there, Tony? Was that a sparkling water? This is a Polar Seltzer Aid. <clears throat> it has the. Uh, I don't know if it'll come through here, but it has the essence of fresh limes, which I don't. Looks, I don't know. It's probably not actual fresh fresh limes. Just just a little essence thereof. It looks fake. It's Ryder Cup week. Marco Simone headed to Italy. That's the big news this week. Well, on part of the golf side, we're gonna talk about some unfortunate news too. Could be impacting the golf ball industry. Uh, industry. But anyway, Ryder Cup week. I love it. We're coming off the Solheim Cup week, which was exciting in its own right. Came down to the very <laughs> end. Uh, I love team events. I think I think that's part of what it comes down to is I just love team events. You have all this pomp and circumstance, all the hype, and three you know, days You later, know what, though? Like, NFL so, games are, are team events. Did you love it this weekend? <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> let's just say there's a reason my trash can – is my Broncos trash can because they are one and the same. One is trash. One's a football team, and they're the same uh, thing. It's not every week you lose by 50. Jeez. Let's hope. I uh, I almost didn't make it to Monday. That's how how bad it it was. But, hey, quick preview. Ryder Cup. Give me your predictions, Tony. Give me your predictions. What is going to happen? Again, it's on Italian – Soil, first time Ryder Cup's ever been played in Italy. Going overseas. Well, they're already over there, obviously. But what's going to happen? Give me a prediction. Oh, let, let's keep the streak going. How about how about we end in a tie? <laughs> how do you have a tie? I know it's been that way. <clears throat> I know our curmudgeon editor, John Gordon's like, oh, now the Americans are all fired up since there's a tie. Now you want to play it off. But one, it doesn't happen. Very often in really, Ty? How? What? I I I don't what? enjoy it. What? I don't I don't enjoy the team the the tie in an event like this. Like we've got we've got time to settle it. It's World Cups, for example, don't end in ties. <clears throat> somebody somebody needs to win outright. I don't know. You're not playing for another two years. There's all these bragging. Rights involved. You've been battling for, you know, three days. You got, again, I get, I love the competition. Sometimes you even do get a little bad blood going on, right? There's been, you know, you go back to the, you know, Seve Ballesteros era of of uh, Ryder Cup matches, and maybe there was some gamesmanship going on on both sides. And to have all of that build up and then go, oh, nah. We tied, so you keep it. Like, what is well, that? Well, I mean, the, the good news is that... What is that? USA thrashed the Europeans last time around, so... You know, it's, yeah. it's enough for two wins, I guess. <laughs> so if it does end in a tie, you could still feel kind of good about it. But. I, all right, well, <clears throat> yeah, so, okay, so it's Ryder Cup week. What's your prediction? Who's going to win? US or, US or Euros, who's going to win? 
And I I know I'm supposed to say the USA and on I'm not supposed paper, to say anything. You on paper probably the USA should win, but I'm looking at this. I, I just enjoy the the, the European team. Maybe that makes me a bad American, but I mean, you got McElroy and Rom and Victor Hovland, who's just been so much fun to watch, and Ludwig Oberg. I mean, this is. Yeah. I don't know how Justin Rose got there, but that, that's you know. Otherwise, <laughs> I otherwise, yeah. I mean, I think Tyrell Hatton, right? He's fiery. I like oh. that. Tyrell is a fiery human. He will let you know exactly what he thinks. I, 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 I agree. I think I think it's going to be very close. I think the U.S. edges it out late in singles. Um, I think they'll be more prepared this time going in as opposed to what happened in France before. However, you mentioned this with the uh, with the Solheim Cup, specific to U.S. versus Europe and who qualifies and whatever. I think it has a distinctly different feel now than a couple decades ago when you just mentioned Rory, Rahm, Hovland, all live in the United States, play golf in the United States. I mean, I you know, other than heritage and upbringing, it's really like U.S. Team 1 versus U.S. Team 2, kind of. And it's it doesn't have that same, oh, we're going over there because they all had, I mean, <laughs> they all could have. Everybody's going over there <laughs> and then everybody's going. coming back. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, hey, oh, yeah, we're going to all hop on the same charter out of Jupiter and or okay you guys you know start in Scottsdale pick us up in Jupiter we'll all fly over together and then we'll all fly back to the U.S. together because we just played a Ryder Cup on our home soil and I mean I get it It, it, dynamics change things change but maybe it's it doesn't have that same I guess kind of continental flair uh that maybe it used to when it's like okay it really is a is a home game, but let's just hope for not a tie. Although, if there's a tie, there could have to be a new tiebreaker, like a chip off. I was thinking, <laughs> yeah. How do you, I mean, that's that's how we that's how we settle it in uh, in golf league. And every right, member uh, guest, right? Every yeah, member guest, there's there's chip offs, and and that wasn't a dig at Lexi. I apologize, but came across that way. But I like that. I don't know. Maybe you do it a chip happens. off. Maybe you do a putt off. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. Maybe you have great ideas, people. Drive pitch and to. drive pitch and putt, right? We'll do like right. junior style competition. Yeah, I don't. Might know. as well. Well, on to something that's less uh, uh, something we're looking forward to and more potentially really, really, really awful for well, a big awful. part of the golf industry. Is awful, but Launch Technologies, an overseas supplier of golf balls. Their factory exploded, Tony? What what happened? Yeah, so it, it's security camera across the street. I saw a video on, on Twitter. It captured an initial explosion, and then I guess there was a subsequent explosion, and then typically as, as what follows an explosion is massive fire, and that's what we have with Launch Tech. Uh, 10 killed, which is absolutely horrible. Another 100 injured. And the factory itself looks like a 
a near total loss. We've, we've gotten some overhead views now, and there is a, a wing of the factory that is effectively the Callaway wing. Okay. It, it looks intact from the outside, but you don't know what's what's going the on damage in the inside. Been done internally, right? And you don't know kind of you know how much how much of what would happen in that wing is exclusive, and how much is like all right, we do a good bit of the processing over here in the main plant, truck the material well, over. So, yeah, but the, this is going to have, I think, massive implications for the ball industry, and I think so I, I think who, this this could prove it should prove to be the biggest. Uh, story in the equipment space of this year and i think you're gonna you're gonna feel it well into next year if not beyond yeah so uh, talk about that for a minute obviously the loss of life is tragic people that were injured even if there are parts of the building that are you know okay in the sense that they're functional or recoverable maybe whatever but it's not like people would be going back to work there any anytime soon. So who has golf balls that we know of? Who has golf balls produced at this factory? And why why do you say that it could be potentially the largest story on the equipment side so you know into what, next year? Launch tech kind of, for the for the bigger OEMs, launch tech kind of specializes in in the the less expensive two piece stuff. Um, I know it's, it's tough to, to be sure who the current client list is. So we know at least in the past and maybe currently have made balls for TaylorMade and Bridgestone. Currently, they are the factory, no doubt about it, that produces super soft for Callaway, which is by volume Callaway's biggest selling golf ball and obviously hugely popular. Mm-hmm. They produce ERC soft for Callaway. I believe I mentioned Wilson on the on the DTC side. Yep. The newer Encore Elixir comes out of this factory. The Odin golf balls uh, come out of this factory. The Sugar golf ball comes out of this factory. Some of Seeds urethane product comes out of here. Penfold recently started making balls out of here, um, and you know, estimated ballpark twenty percent of all golf balls made worldwide come out of this factory. So obviously, that's, that's a that's a healthy percentage. And I'll just throw it in here because it's um, it's intriguing to kind of see how you account for it. But as I understand it, this is also the factory that makes the golf balls for Top Golf, uh, so which are pretty I mean, specialized, right? I mean, yeah, in in the sense that I get, and again, we're reaching now because we don't know the extent of of the damages and and anything like that. But regardless. 20% of an industry of industry, that is a huge chunk. And like I said, it's Callaway's number one uh, top selling ball by volume is made at this plant. We don't know how that ball may or may not be be impacted, but it certainly doesn't look good. Top Golf is a raging success, a raging profit center, but the golf balls that you actually use at Top Golf are fairly specialized because they have to work with all the games and sensors and things like that. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. And, and the, the, I mean, you hate to think of it in these terms, but you wonder and you ask yourself, all right, can, can we spin up capacity somewhere else? Right. Can we make that ball somewhere else quickly? And if you're Callaway in particular, backfilling at this point in time, like the, it's never convenient. This is obviously awful, but the timing legitimately could not be worse if you're Callaway, for example, because we're, I don't know if you've noticed, Chrome Soft is discounted now, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you know yep. why companies discount golf balls this time of year. Because a new one's coming out. And so uh, right about now, 
Callaway is, if they haven't already, are certainly gearing up to to essentially front load production on the new Chrome Soft series. So they're going to be full mm-hmm. throttle on that new ball, which means that it doesn't have a lot of capacity. I don't know. I don't know if it's if it's ever made super soft in Chicopee. ERC soft, it has made there, but it doesn't currently because again the demand for Chrome Soft. Yeah. So that that's going to be it's going to be tricky to backfill for smaller companies. I, I don't know what you do, for example, if you're you're Odin. I don't know what you do if you're Sugar. When when you're out, you're out, and that's that. You can't really go somewhere else and have the same ball made because dimple patterns are proprietary to factories. We've talked about that. Right. Um, the ball themselves, not- right? There's there's no intellectual property for these smaller brands that picks up and travels to another factory. It it has to come from this factory. That's that's it. It's really that simple. And you know, we're hearing you know, Barba, who John Barba, who wrote the story, was able to check with some of his contacts. And, mm-hmm. you know, the estimate is this factory is is down for at least a year. Yeah. So real quick on that, how far again, depending on who you are, right? Like it could absolutely end some of these other companies that the ball is made there and they can't they're not big enough to uh to kind of withstand it, you know, loss of a year in sales or whatever the case is, how far ahead would a company potentially run where it's like, Hey, if they're making balls right now, it's not that they're making balls right now to sell in a week, but any sense of like, Hey, this would impact what they have available like in March or June of next year. Or yeah, I I think it's probably three to six months depending on volume. So, you know, by I think by early next year, um, by the end of Q1, for sure, you're going to see you're going to see no supply of certain things. And again, at least Callaway, for example, with SuperSoft, that is mm-hmm. that ball is made by Launch Tech, but it's it's an entirely unique right. Callaway formulation. It's Callaway dimple patterns, Callaway yeah. core formulation. So they theoretically, if they could find a factory that has capacity and, and good luck with that. They they can they can pick that up and and it will travel. The DTC stuff again. There's no moving that somewhere else because the factory is effectively the ones that own all the IP on that golf ball. Yeah. So stay tuned. As we know more, we'll certainly uh, certainly update either that article or uh, additional articles as we go. In an odd kind of segue back from the dead, Ben Hogan golf is back again. Don't call it a comeback, Tony. Don't call you almost resigned uh, last week when you heard this news. Ben Hogan has been gone, back, gone, back, uh, back, gone. That shit for Christ's sake! <laughs> what? How long does it last this time, Tony? I, this is. I mean, when when I started with my golf spy somewhere between twelve and fifteen years ago, I think Ben Hogan was still owned by Callaway, and and then it was you know back and then back again after. It, change of ownership and and then it died and got brought back so we're we're looking at the fourth maybe fifth iteration of of ben hogan since i've been doing this and i I get that people have an affinity for the brand they remember it sure from from the days of yore and (laughs) and long long ago but there's there's nothing of ben hogan left in this other than the name and and even that right like callaway owns apex they own that trademark so, I yeah uh, I uh, whatever, just whatever. 
<laughs> Something happier, though. Did you see this runway-style golf course? Did you see that, Tony? I missed it. You didn't see the runway-style no. golf course? Oh, you got to look on, on uh, the Twitter feed. I'll give you a minute to, to peruse that. See if you can. What does that it's even very, mean? Uh, well, that's what I was going to ask you, what you thought about the concept. It is safe. It, it, it's a space-saving entity. Um, it does some. Oh, I see. Uh, rat, you see what we're talking about here? Sure. What's your What's your initial impression? <laughs> Parallel fairways with no trees. Look out! That's my impression. <laughs> Somebody's gonna die. There's more to it than that. So uh, you should check it out, though. You should check it out. I I've also been seeing a lot of these videos lately. Are people angry, Tony? Because I'm seeing a lot of fights on golf courses. Lately, people yelling about things. I thought golf was supposed to be calm, relaxing. I probably found out Ben Hogan was coming back and got <laughs> pissed off. But seriously, have you? Uh, is, is it me, or are there just more fights being reported on golf courses, or are well, these things I actually mean, happening more more often? Or I, I don't know. People are out of control, generally speaking. So. Maybe. I think I know. I, I just think, think more people are adept at using their phones. Like that—that's the first impulse now. Like it gets heated. Used to right. be somebody like, let me let me figure out how to step in and defuse this mm-hmm. situation, and now it's like, <laughs> I'm not defusing hit him, hit anything. Hit <laughs> yeah, let's go viral. So, yeah, I think so I that's... know why though. I think it could be because of a post that we had last week that was the cost uh, cost of a large bucket of balls at the driving range. I think somebody posted one. It was like thirty bucks or something to hit a That's... large bucket. We talk about costs in golf, and you can buy a driver. It's six hundred bucks, but you get to keep the driver. You know, it, it's yours. You, you got it. And I get you buy a large bucket of of balls. You get a practice. But I guess that would be That's a stupid. question: is how much should a large? And, and I guess what constitutes large is a is a uh, question. Well, I know it. Our local course here, it's, uh, you know, maybe 100 golf balls, 105, 110, something right in that little bit over 100 range. Um, But I remember when it was $8, then it was $10, then it creeps up and it creeps up. And I get things are getting more expensive, but my word. I feel like $12. And again, you know, my my frame of reference is frozen in time because I haven't haven't gone to a public driving range in forever, but. $12 Twelve dollars seems right. That feels like the right maybe number to fifteen, you. Maybe. maybe, maybe, maybe. Use them. I mean, you got to you really got to focus on uh, what you're doing there. But man, that's uh, uh, that's interesting. I'd be interested to know how much how much do you pay out there, people, for a large bucket well, of what's balls? What's a bucket go, go for? What's a bucket go for? Anyway, all right, tech talk. We got some tech uh, tech talk stuff to. A personal launch monitor testing, Tony, come out, and I know it's a space that we've been watching carefully because once upon a time in a land not that far away, we had a situation where it was kind of like, you know, unless you can buy the $20,000 version, don't bother. You're not really going to get reasonable enough reasonable accuracy to go, hey, this is really worth the investment. I think we're past that. I think there are options now where you would have to say, these are really, really super bona fide options that are out there. So let's kind of walk through those. What uh, what do we got here, Tony? Let's talk results, maybe. 
Yeah, I, I would say no big surprise. You know, our, our number one best overall is the Bushnell Launch Pro slash Foresight GC3. For those who don't know, it's identical hardware between the two units. The difference is in the licensing model. Mm-hmm. It's it's a baffler how we how we ended up there, but but that's how it is. Um, but yeah, we think that that's certainly best in class, but it's also, I think, likely the most expensive of our options. Yeah, of those um, options. I yeah, think I think so. And moving on, like number two on this list, this one intrigues me quite a bit. Uh, the Rapsodo mm-hmm. MLM Pro. Again, we talked about this kind of last week or the week before. Moving to a, a hybrid model where it's primarily Doppler, but uses cameras to get the uh, the spin axis and spin numbers. And we're seeing, I believe that's how the new TrackMan IO works, right? The new indoor unit that we we talked about it last week without knowing what it was. Same same type of concept. <laughs> yeah. uh, the knock on the MLM is you need the Callaway golf balls to get the most out of it. And so Correct. that does... It does make it a challenge if you're you're trying to use it outdoors, but I would say that about most of these units because presumably if you're you're outdoors, if you're not hitting into a net, you're probably in a situation where you're hitting range balls anyway. And boy, I, I really sure. struggle to understand a lot of the value that you would get from that. You, you know, um, you're, you're trying to understand. You have a launch monitor to understand what a golf ball does, and then you're hitting golf balls that don't behave like the golf balls you would play on the course. So that that's always been the struggle for me in this space anyway. Sure. Uh, but you know, that's me. Uh, number three, Mevo plus mm-hmm. again, we've started to see patterns over the years, right? Like these. Yep. Uh, and you know, if, if, if you're looking for a 100% radar based solution, I think the, the Mevo plus is the one you have to go to number four, Full swing kit, and then number five, the the Garmin approach here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and like I said, you can peruse through the article. You can look at some of the specs and things, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this in depth in, in the after show a little bit. But um, it is interesting, the range of kind of things that we're seeing. Like you said, from a pricing standpoint, you know, you have, like I said, you got the Bushnell uh, one, call it. Plus or minus 3,000. Sometimes there's a special, sometimes there's not, you know, like you said, different licensing agreements and those kind of things. But, you know, if you're kind of looking in that 3,000 ish dollar space, okay, there you go, right? Um, the MLM2 Pro, like you said, very, very intriguing, I think, in part because it's 700 bucks. Like this unit at 1,500 isn't nearly as intriguing. To me, this unit at 700, I get there's a limitation. Like I said, you have to use a specific ball. But I also have to think that we're not that far away from some, I, I don't want to call it like a universal ball necessarily, but getting more crossover where like if I'm Rapsodo, right? If I'm sitting here and I'm Rapsodo, do I want to be limited to a single ball forever? No, probably not. Of course not. You'd love to have that technology uh, across the gamut, right? So and it doesn't matter what ball you started with. I think that's probably the case where, okay, if, you know, like we talked about with titles, say the RCT balls. Okay, that's awesome. But what's next? You know, are we going to get to a point where there's any kind of 
universal golf ball or more ubiquitous technology that can be used across platforms and still get really, really good spin numbers. Uh, it's tricky, right? Because the radar, if you want good spin with a 100% radar device, the best way to do that right now is with the RCT ball. Mm-hmm. Titleist obviously is, is not going to license that technology to anybody else. <laughs> they work closely with no. the launch monitor companies no. to make sure that no, they're not. everything is RCT compliant. The firmware is up to date and getting the most out of it. So, you know, I would ask it's to me, it's the same thing. It's like, yeah, why, why don't we just move to a universal shaft adapter so that everybody can move from one head to the next, right? There's because nobody ultimately, nobody wants it except the consumer, the companies don't want it. And so, right. Yeah. You, you want to sell your own little pocket of uniqueness, I suppose. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. And I think, so we'll see, but uh, like I said, we'll talk more about that in a little bit as well. Two new products coming out in this fall space Mizuno with some STG, the G, the STG driver and fairway. So let's talk about those briefly. What's up with the STG driver? Should I be excited? Maybe, maybe. Oh, I mean, this is oh. this was the one that was missing from the lineup. Kind of it that was low spin. If you want to call it a better player's driver, I don't. I don't necessarily love that designation because, again, who does you know, spin? Uh, you have you have people of all ability levels that generate way too much spin. But I love what I love about this is kind of a commitment to that player. Noticeable change here. We're down to 440 cc's. So this is a a smaller profile head. Not a massive change, right? We're not like no. 420, but 440. It's going to look a little smaller. New face technology. Always intriguing. You don't know necessarily how much you really get from it, but Mizuno says it's better. It got the Cortec chamber carrying on. Again, I thought that was some of the more intriguing technology from last year as well. And then... This, this redesigned weight track, this two-track system, I love the adjustability on it. It's going to be really interesting to, to take some swings and see how this sounds because yeah, it's, it's a lot of structure you need to account for. And with that as well, we've talked about this for years. I've, I've beat this drum. Anytime you have a lot of structure like you do to support these weight tracks, you typically have some sort of center of gravity implications here. So uh, mm-hmm. Low spin driver, I don't know. You know, it could be tricky to get that CG as low as Mizuno wants it, but we'll see. See how it it handles. Typical penalties, if you will, for movable weight technology, particularly anything with a track, right, is when you have weights that slide along a track, you need the track, like you said, the structure. And those structures cost weight, right? They need to, to be there. So there can be a weight penalty and oftentimes there can be an acoustic penalty, right? Where weight, it yeah. do- doesn't always end up resulting in the type of sound or feel you want. So you got to find a way to effectively either work around those or pay a certain penalty for them knowing, hey, yeah, I can't get the CG as low as we would like to or Maybe we don't get the sound and feel 100% dialed in, but we'll see, right? With this one, we know Mizuno is aware of those things. It's not like they just build it and go, oh, geez, you're right. Like, they're very well aware. <laughs> I did <laughs> no, not see this coming, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're they're aware of that, so I, I, I'm sure they addressed it. I'm sure they had a plan for it to to account for that, but we'll see. I guess my other question is two things. Two-part question for you. Number one, it's 
been a process really kind of since like ST180 where Mizuno kind of shifted its emphasis in terms of, hey, we got to get better at Metal Woods. We got to get a little more serious. We got to put a little more time, energy, effort, resources into doing a better job here. We haven't necessarily seen the results of that in testing yet. Do you think that this is the year that we see that from Mizuno? Yeah, I I don't know. I think I think this type of design has the potential to do well because again, you're you're talking about inherently it's going to be a more forward center of gravity, which means almost invariably more speed. If you can keep the spin down with that and get it to the point where where golfers can control it to a reasonable degree, it has the potential. I thought I thought the X in particular, the STX, the the two thirty. Our test results with that were really interesting because that's on paper that's a draw bias driver. I think mm-hmm. if you X test axis, that, right? yeah, you test that on a robot, I think it's going to go left all day. Uh, when we tested it with people, we found an actual in real world or you know our test conditions a bit of a right bias, and so you wonder, you know, is there something with the way that top line looks at a dress? Is there something that's that's going on with the way the eyeballs see it where somebody you know puts it down, looks at it and says it doesn't look all right and makes an adjustment, maybe cocks it open mm-hmm. a little bit. So mm-hmm. uh, it'll be interesting to see if that carries over with, with this or if we've got something that that is ideally more neutral, not just in, in true center of gravity location, but in terms of how it plays in the hands of golfers who, who may otherwise be reacting to what they see when they put the club down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I mean – other thing I think I noted there, 600 bucks maybe I think is the, the rack yeah. rate for it. So I feel like it was not that long ago where we're like, oh, all right, is $500 the new baseline for premium, you know, major OEM driver tech? That's what you should kind of have, kind of have that number in your head. And now it's it's at least 600 right? We're, we're and, I, and I think that Mizuno, like Mizuno's kind of been – they don't leap right into the high price point. They've typically kind of stayed no. a little bit, $1,500, whatever it happens to be, below mm-hmm. your your Callaways and TaylorMades, your Titleists. So to see Mizuno jump up to that 600 price point, I wonder when when we start looking at 24 product, is, is Cobra, that's another one that, that typically lingers a bit below. Are they yeah. going to jump to six? And if if Mizuno and maybe Cobra, we don't know, but if, if you have these these smaller companies, these companies that, that don't have the market share of TaylorMades and Callaways, if they're jumping at 600, does that mean the new baseline is 630, 650, something like that? So yeah, at least I six. look at this and yeah. I'm thinking – all right, maybe maybe this is just a, a a leveling out, trying to to use price to convey quality, as some companies will do to say, hey, if I'm a, if I'm as good as a TaylorMade, as good as a Callaway, good as a Titleist, I need to charge what they charge. So that's that's one possibility. But I do yeah. wonder if this is this is like, yeah. oh boy, are we, are we looking at another price hike for next year? And more than just a matching luggage item here, we also have the <coughs> ST. G fairway. Right? Yes. So yeah. this is a full on titanium situation. Quick note, people. When we talk about titanium fairway woods, we have to get rid of the idea that titanium is faster. Now, you see it in drivers all the time, right? They don't have steel faces. Well, look how big the face is on a driver. 
right? You're, you got a, you got a pretty significant surface area that you're dealing with. So when we're using titanium and fairway woods, and we talk about people tend to think of them as, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, you had the Sim TI, right? TaylorMade. Obviously, we have they have their titanium products. They do tend to be more expensive, right? The LST, I want to say from uh, from Kings, what like five fifty, five hundred fifty bones, titanium product. It's not necessarily titanium because it goes that that the faces is hotter or super thin. You just don't have that much surface area to deal with, but. Then why use titanium if it's not a ball speed thing? Why? Do, why do we use the it's titanium? Wait, everything is weight. Everything. So tell me about it, Tony. So Talk yeah, to you me say about if, weight. if you can take weight out of the face, right? Because you you, mm-hmm. you you're kind of in a box, right? A head has to weigh X or just about X. Typically, within everybody's within a few grams of each other. Because, again, it's, it's got to hit a swing weight that feels right to a golfer, right? You can't load sure. it full of weight, make it feel heavy. You can't make it too light and kill your MOI and make it whippy or difficult to swing yeah. or get in a situation where somebody tells you can't feel the head, whatever There's it happens There's a sweet spot. Yeah. Right. So you, you yeah. use a titanium face to take out weight. And in the case of a fairway wood, as we've seen other companies do, and it's what Mizuno's doing here, you, you save some weight and you reallocate it by way of a huge chunk of steel on the sole of the club. Uh-huh. And here, right, we're we're going for a similar approach to to what the other guys who do this get, and that's you're you're trying to get that launch angle up, keeping spin down. So it it is a distance play, but it's it's distance through high launch and low spin, which you're able to do because of the weight you can now put in the sole, not distance because of a of inherently faster material, which is not the case. There we go. So most of the time we're talking titanium. Like I said, your next question should be okay. How much weight did they put in the sole? It's 80 grams, right? We've seen that 80 number thrown around uh, or thereabouts on uh, several models. You slam a bunch of weight in the, you know, low in the head. That brings the center of gravity down, like you said. Helps increase the launch angle, decrease spin. And this is where sometimes you get that faster golfer that maybe either needs less spin or to take a lot of spin out of their fairway woods. This is where these can become absolute bombers. Again, not because titanium is that much faster. That's not That's not it. It's because they're going to launch high, less spin. And for the golfers, that, that helps you get more distance, which could be quite a few if you tend to overspin things. This is where these can become absolute distance monsters. In fact, that's why you see some guys uh, you know, out on tour, fastest players, won't carry it because it's too hot, right? They'll hit it too far, or they'll carry like happens. a yeah, man, you know, it. pretty standard. Or they'll carry like a four wood or something, right? Go like a sixteen or seventeen degree model because they don't need a driver that goes, you know, that carries three ten and a fairway wood that carries three o two. Like that doesn't doesn't do much for them. Not ideal, but, but uh, for the rest of us. Bucks. For the rest, for of, the us. rest of us. For the rest of us. $400 on yeah. that one. Remember when oh. you could get a driver for $399? Like in my time, it wasn't like the top of the line. That one no. was. But, well, actually, I actually remember $300. It wasn't that far off where it was like And I'm not even like talking PXG. Yeah. yeah no, it was, like, it was like $400, $300. It was like, hey, yeah. you got, yeah, the, this is- you got the, the tour model, whatever, $400. Uh, yep. The more generic, you know, middle of the market one, $300. Yeah. You're like, ooh. $299. What a world. $299. Anyway. 
man. There Sorry, it is. Guys. There it is. Sorry about that. We said like we said. It's Ryder Cup week, Tony, and I'm excited. I, like I said, I like team events, so we're kind of looking at some of the Ryder Cup gear and stuff that's out there. So you can't say you can't say Ryder Cup gear though. It's licensing, so everybody's just like, yeah, flag. Send me your angry letter. Send me your litigious pieces of paperwork. All right, Tony. Uh, I'm going to give you some products. You're going to tell me which one you would like better. Titleist Vokey has SM9 etched wedges. The U.S. one? We'll, we'll throw some pictures up here for you. What do you like? U.S. or Euro? Which one? This is the rare occasion because this is this kills me about the Ryder Cup as an American. But typically the the European stuff just looks better. This is a case where I think with the bulky case in particular, the USA version of the wedge looks better than the Euro version. So I can and I think I can represent because it's understated. I like the etching. I think that one helped this one. All right, how about one uh, TaylorMade Stealth Two came out limited edition. Again, we got Euro, we got the U.S. You're going Euro, aren't you? This one? No, this is another one where this seems to be, I don't know if it's the year that the Americans clean house again, but the USA gear, I think, has been better generally. Tailor-made driver, I like the color pattern. Exception, and maybe this is why the European version is sold out and the American isn't, it could be fierce loyalty. And I, I don't know how you're just how, how the just. Europeans can be so fiercely loyal. Maybe they just made fewer of them, but because you got all these different countries, so it's not that same degree of maybe, you know. maybe who knows? But maybe it's Los Angeles Rams, or are they still in Los Angeles? I can't keep track anymore. They're around there, yeah. Give or take. Right. So yeah, like if you're a Rams fan, this is the European. <laughs> you just find a color you like on. and say, "I'm yeah. just going to go drop some money on that yeah. one because it looks like That's, a team yeah. of another." Colors of another team thing, whatever. All right. The providers, uh, you got your official apparel, uh, apparel providers, RLX, right? Ralph Lauren has been on the U.S. side for a while. Loro Piana, maybe I'm saying that right? Probably not. Has been working with the European Ryder Cup team for a little bit. They're a high-end luxury uh, uh, Italian Laura Piana. I, I had to look it up. They have stores in places like Aspen in Colorado where, where, where you get these. And I was like, ho, oh, these are pricey. So my question for you is, is, if you had to go redo your entire golf wardrobe and you could only go to Ralph Lauren to do it or Laura Piana, which one are you going to? I can't even find this stuff you're talking. About. I, you know, I, I have friends that love the RLX, but I'm, I'm not. I've never been on board with Ralph Lauren, so I don't. I, I wish I could find the other stuff, but I gotta find this. I'm going to the Laura one just because, if you know, and and here's here's a huge difference too, right? The you know Ralph Lauren stuff, you can buy it all. Like you can go to the team shop and buy yourself. I think, with the exception of a couple things. You know, the, the shirt that they're wearing or the pullover that they're wearing or, or whatever. Um, not so much on, on, on the other side. Like, this is a store where you're going to pay oh, $1,200 like for a t-shirt. These aren't good either. You're going to pay. I'd find what? a new company to make my gear is what I would do. 
<laughs> is, that what, is that what you would do? Just, You're going to just bail on the yeah, whole thing? I, I, I've never owned like a, like a $1,500 pair of pants. So I don't I'm looking know. At, I, I'm looking at a $1,600 vest here. Um, yes. You think, but Tony, you, you mm-hmm. have wanted to purchase a winter jacket with short sleeves. I know you've wanted to do that before. I bet we, these we guys may we cute. may have a bolero puffer coat here. <laughs> <laughs> I and it'll be pricey. So if it's that expensive, it's got to be good. Italians know what they're doing uh, with with clothing far more than Americans do. I think we're going to get them to outfit some. Uh, no, it's all given. made in Asia anyway. Golf gear? No, it's not. This is fine, handcrafted luxury Italian wool all and right. things. Speaking of which, last question on this part. With the RLX, since you're such a big fan. Huge fan. You have to wear either the cashmere sweater or the cricket sweater. And you're going to play around a golf. You and I are going to go play around a golf. You're going to wear the cashmere sweater or the cricket sweater. And you're going to pretend like you like it the whole round. Which one are you going to wear? I'm, I'm, again, you know, I don't study this stuff fiercely, so I'm, I'm trying. Oh, you, you know what I do like? Not to get off decision. topic here, but I like the FootJoy t-shirts. I thought those were well done. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> I think you should wear the cricket sweater because I think that would. Uh, I don't even know. I don't even know where you find this stuff. It's, I think that's what you need. We'll let people vote. People out there, vote. Which one do you want Tony to wear? I know the Ryder Cup's about a lot more than golf in fashion. And I always, what do they do with this stuff when they're done? It's three days. And then there's stuff they'll have they don't even wear. And and what if you lose? You can't keep that stuff if you if you lose. You <laughs> donate it to to charity. Do you send it away? Do you what do you what is the losing? I mean, team? It used to be it used to be do? right. Just go hit QVC right away. But I don't think that's a thing. I don't know. I there's a right. Isn't there a place in, in the Bahamas? A, a or legitimately a cashmere sell? hoodie for three hundred and seventy dollars. What the? absolutely All right. it is. They're, they're island countries, right? Places where they sell like stuff like from the team that lost the World Series, you know, because they got to yeah. print up everything or lost the Super Bowl. Maybe, maybe they do that. I don't know. But this, if if you're, I mean, you, I mean, losers, you have absolutely. I'm looking at 198 bucks for a for a half zip hoodie. I mean, you've got to oh, yeah. you've got to love the Ryder Cup. You've got to love RLX. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. Shout out to to my my friends at Municipal who are all of a sudden looking like the deal of the century as far as hoodies go. Anyway. Yeah, get yourself a $54 t-shirt and you feel like you're stealing. Jesus. You feel like you're stealing. Well, watch the Cup, people. Uniform t-shirt. White t-shirt just says Ryder Cup USA $70. I said that. You can can get like a dozen LA golf balls for that type of money. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> you can get exactly a dozen football type of money. It's all out of control. And speaking of out of control, the whole it. episode's out of control. The Ryder Cup hopefully doesn't get too out of control this week, but we will be watching. I'm, I'll be watching. I'm We're going to be off next week, so don't expect to, to see us next week, but please do leave us questions if you want to hear a little bit more about personal launch monitors and maybe Tony will rant about how much a pair of socks costs next Stick around. We'll be right back. Until then, you get a launch yeah. monitor for a, for the pre- cost of three pieces of apparel.
right? I have returned. He's back. All right. And we're back. Cody's hydrated. Um, personal launch monitor testing, like we said. Uh, results are out. It's an interesting space. And, and part of my struggle is what is a weed whacker? This is going to be fun the rest of this episode. You got a weed whacker? They're, uh, they are coming around to weed whack. Oh, well, that's nice of them. What is a personal launch monitor as opposed to a very impersonal? <laughs> <laughs> impersonal launch monitor. Yeah, one it's it's one that allows you to engrave your name on it. It comes with a name tag. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, but really, like, I want to do like a... the impersonal launch monitor buying guide. Right. Yeah, so, what I mean, is a personal? What do I we think mean it's, by that? Let's start. I there. think it's a catch-all that for anything that costs less than I'm trying to think. What's the? Uh, I haven't looked in a while at, at the flight scope lineup, but they used to have kind of that. Uh, you know, now they're strictly X3, but they used to have kind of that that other one that was like 6,500, I think, uh, somewhere yeah. there. But yeah, it's. I mean, it, it's sort of. Anything that costs more than a used or costs less than a used Honda, I think, is probably, or maybe not even a Honda, maybe a Buick. Um, so it's yeah, it's an affordable launch monitor, right? A launch monitor that that average golfers can can reasonably aspire to own. Okay, uh, and it's still quite a range, right? We we didn't test some of the the really budget models this year the stuff that's like 200 bucks mm-hmm. um, and again we've talked about it before i've talked about it before uh, a lot of that stuff loosely qualifies as, as nothing more than a random number generator <laughs> so, you hit the ball yeah if you're if you're trying to pick yards. yeah if you're trying to pick lottery numbers maybe that's the way to do it just you know mm-hmm. take a swing and whatever you get that's what you go with uh so we've gotten kind of in this space now that's Again, anywhere from a few hundred dollars to, I, I guess the if you go the GC three route, that's still what, like seventy or seven thousand something like that. I again, it changes. Yeah, it changes. I mean, the the full swing one's about five k. You know, Skytrack, Skytrack Plus. Again, a couple thousand, right? You're, you know, you're somewhere between a decent laptop and a hot tub. Um, in, in that kind of a range, save for Lake Rapsodo, right? They have this unique space where part of the reason I think they're going to sell the hell out of it, and they already have the MLM2 Pro, is it's under a thousand bucks comfortably. And it's, it's I mean, you've got a thousand bucks by a couple hundred bucks. It's seven. Take it out, too. The, the thing that's impressive, again, other than it, it generally works pretty well. But it's it's mm-hmm. that big. You can fit it in a golf bag. It's got a clip. You can attach it to a golf yeah. bag. Um, again, I will I'll spare you the rant unless you really want me to get into it about the utility of any of these devices with range balls. But which is a commentary on range balls, not the devices. Well, yeah, but it's you know, it's, what's the point? Right. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you've got that all the way up to again. GC3 at $7,500, fully enabled all the, most of the bells and whistles anyway. So it, it's Mm -hmm. still a range. And from my perspective, I've I've had to come to terms with, with the idea of a launch monitor that is accurate enough. 
as we know, we know camera-based systems, GC Quad is the gold standard. You know, for example, I can tell you that the, the tolerance on a spin measurement there is plus or minus 25 RPM. So that's, that, that's the ballpark we're playing. Yeah, wait, say that again? Plus or, plus minus. or minus 25 RPMs. I think I think the the published number may be 50, but that's you know we were hearing 25 is is the real number. So I mean that that's kind of the 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 gold standard on the when you get into kind of the full tracking Doppler radar device, the gold standard TrackMan. Mm-hmm. Um, fully enabled though, you're you're pushing 25,000 on that unit. Uh, if you want indoor outdoor use and and not uh-huh. everybody can afford that again gold standard for that class right so how close can you get for significantly less and you know, looking at the charts we published in in a lot of cases it's plus or minus just a little more than 1% for some metrics other you know spin is spin is always the tricky one and Spin that's where you do see, one, right? you know, upwards I mean, 10%, 15% in some cases, outdoors. I mean, in some cases, way, way off, uh, 40%. Oh. So, you know, we, we know that that spin is the struggle with a Doppler device, a small Doppler device, because maybe they don't maybe they don't say it outright, but it effectively works like a track man in, in indoor mode or limited flight mode. You're not mm-hmm. getting the whole flight of the ball. It's... The radar is only powerful enough to capture a little bit of the flight within a certain window. So you, you expect certain inaccuracies, but you do have to start thinking in terms of close enough, good enough, accurate enough for the budget. And certainly, again, these devices aren't perfect, but we are. We have come so far from where we were three years ago, where, again, random number generation by and large right. to, to something that's well, actually usable. And then you start getting into differences in software packages and, and other rabbit holes where you might, you might trade a little bit of accuracy for a user-friendly or, or other features, things like that. So it's, it's not yeah. nearly as cut and dry as it used to be by any means. No. And, and it's interesting is, is kind of go through the charts and some of those things like ball speed isn't hard to get act yeah pretty accurate right a lot of the uh, units that we test are in that plus or minus one percent maybe one and a half percent type of situation and you go okay that's pretty cool but spin and and carry distance is a function of spin right because it's going to that's going to impact how far the ball goes and that's still where we see right the biggest differences on spin so i get it we all want spin and spin axis. That, That's those. Those are. What's the difference to my mind at that point? Between spin and spin axis, real quick. Spin is just how Not much it spins, and spin axis spin is, is just, whoo, right? And the spin yep. axis is basically how that ball tilts a little at impact. The, I use the analogy of airplane wings, right? So right, uh, and it's it's ultimately the the measurement that gives you a functional idea of curve. I guess is probably the the most real world application of that. Look at Chris real time well, prop. Okay. So let's just say this is roughly a spin axis of zero. So we're just gonna say we hit the ball and it spins and it's going to spin like that. You know, all, I mean, based on what you're doing about eight RPM, about eight <laughs> RPM right now, not everybody hits the ball perfectly straight. So what happens when I hit it and it does. That's your axis tilt. Or it goes, 
Boop. That's a lot of axis tilt. So yep. that's so that's this your, is where you're going to end up. That's your cook, with... your hurt, your hook, your slice, and that's that's again like the example mm-hmm. I use. Why RCT? Well, in part, but it, it hasn't solved this problem. But if you've ever used a Doppler device inside, and you know golfers know this shot so well, where you hit it out on the toe, and you know if you hit that with your driver on the golf course, it's a it's a push hook. That's you don't love the impact. You're losing speed, <laughs> but you know it's coming back to the middle. If the device can't capture the spin axis accurately, generally what you see is that gets read as a dead push every time. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's, that to me, that is, that is probably the the metric that most separates these devices. And a lot of them don't even give you a spin axis measurement. Um, Well, and that's the, it's, (laughs) it's interesting because have these devices gotten better? A hundred percent. They've gotten phenomenally better but there's still like we said that difference where in in i remember talking to the trackman people a couple weeks ago they're working on these things right i said i mean something that's interesting to me about the trackman component is you know last year they had that tour i think it was called next straight tour where you had people paying real money thousands of dollars playing for tens of thousands of dollars indoor on trackman simulators so if you're going to have people paying real money to play real tournaments, right? There has to be some fidelity in every metric, and and given that we know how important spin is to every other part of a golf shot—shape, distance, trajectory, launch, all that stuff. Okay, it's still TrackMan Foresight. Like you're not going to get a $25,000 level of performance for 3,000, 4,000, 8,000. Yes, we say you'll get within maybe 5%, maybe 3%, maybe 1%. But it's kind of like in every industry, that last 1%, 2%, 3% is the most expensive, right? The difference between 99 and 100, that last 1% is... That's where the money is. That is exponentially more expensive, right? And that's why well, that's why I talk about the concept of of close enough, accurate enough, because you know, if I can get a Rapsodo mm-hmm. and I'm saying that's accurate enough, even with the limitations that you gotta use this particular Callaway golf ball to get really good data, accurate enough for well below a thousand versus really accurate spot on as good as it gets for 15,000 plus. And even, you know, for my mind, what, what I, what I've said at the beginning, what I think is the best in class at under, under that enterprise tier, less than a track a GC quad, mm-hmm. call it a GC three, call it a, a launch pro. You're right. still looking at, at 3,500 plus. And again, that's, if somebody came to me and said, Hey, what launch monitor would I buy? And, you know, my first question, what's your budget? How much right. can you spend? And if that number is is near 3,500, I'm going to say Launch Pro every time. But if you come to me Without and say 1,000 or less, then then I have to look at that that MLM2. If if you need to be outdoors, maybe a Mevo, Mevo Plus. But, man, it's, yeah. It's nice to have yeah. options, finally. It, it, really it is. is. So, I think it's nice to have options, and it depends on your application. Like you said, in some of the stuff, like this is uh, the other question is, 
okay, if this is where we are now, where are we headed? Is it going to get, is that gap going to tighten at all? Or is that last one, two, three percent going to be, you know, exponentially more expensive? Or are we going to see maybe some of these lower priced ones be able to plug into, right, some of the same software packages, simulation You see like the E6 integration, right? That That's common. And I think, I, I'm glad I'm, you mentioned it because I think we're at the point now where, yeah, take the SkyTrack Plus, which I think got dinged in our test because it's it's indoor only. We're not even trying to tell you to use it outdoors at this point. Right. Um, but that's one where some of the software features that, that, that come with that device, their software package, I absolutely love. I'm like, I wish that uh-huh. I could use this software on my GC quad sometimes. I know. Because it is, it's really clean. It's really easy to use, intuitive, really just cool features. And, and so that, that could be a, a point where you're like, again, accurate enough. And I really like the software. Whatever it happens, and I'm never to. planning on taking it outside. So right. that's another dynamic to this whole personal, you know, not the impersonal launch monitors, but the personal ones. Your name is, tag is on this one. Your name tag is on the personal ones. No, there there are a number of people that might look at it and go, you know what? I'm not getting this at all to take outside, or I'm not willing to pay a premium to have something that I might take outside with me, or whatever that right case may be, you go into the, again, the range ball scenario or whatever, where they're saying, no, this is strictly for an at home, you know, personal or, you know, uh, you know, practice space, whatever it is, man cave, blah, blah, blah. And then geez, you look at something. Yeah. You brought up SkyTrack plus. Okay. Well, it's indoor only fair enough, but cool. what it does, it does really, really well. And, the graphics packages are killer. Oh, and by the way, it's all internal now, meaning it's owned and operated by the same company that's doing the software. So they're going to be able potentially to iterate faster than some other companies. And so it's like, man, if you're looking for something for an indoor-only solution, SkyTrack Plus might jump up to... You know, in the top one, two, three for a lot of people. Um, so there's, yeah. And this is why it's different than wedges, right? Or putters or drivers where we kind of talk about one, two, or three different applications. Here, you kind of have to talk about 30 different applications, you know, from price to how will you use it, indoor, outdoor, software, how much you You're want to You're buying into a system, yeah. right? That's ultimately, you think of it as this device, but it's it's really an entire system. And when contemplating that, it's you have to think about where what is the application. Am I indoor, outdoor is a mix? How important is the software? What, what metrics do I need? Do I want to get some head data, impact data, right? Things like that. So there's a lot of questions that, that come into play for sure. Mm-hmm. I agree. There's a lot to try to solve there, but it's a, it's a cool thing, especially given how much more golf is played indoors than outdoors in, well, Japan would be one. We're seeing uh, some of these companies pop up and kind of percolate that I think are, are interesting and people go, cow, I've never heard of fill in the blank. Um, and part of that could be because 
they're just getting to or going, oh, wow, look, all these people in America are starting to develop an appetite for things that we've been designing and programming for the last couple decades. Some of these Japanese companies and, and Korean companies are what they would say pretty far down the road on certain applications because it's been a much bigger deal in Asia to play golf indoors much longer than it has in the U S and now you got X golf, you got indoor golf leagues, you got all these things going on now where it's like, Ooh, Hey, this is cool. I should get one of these for my basement. And these companies are like, well, yeah, we've actually been doing that for a couple of decades. Here's some stuff that you might be interested in. So I think we're going to hear certainly more easier about than those. ever to, to go. <laughs> I mean, we talk about just a launch monitor, but you know, we do work They're They're outfitting our new facility. The guys at uh, shop indoor golf. Uh-huh. And it's, I mean, you can buy full-on pre-configured solutions from, I mean, really from floor to ceiling, right? Hey, we'll give you the turf, the projector, and oh, yeah. enclosure, launch monitor, everything you possibly need. Build it a la carte, choose a pre-packaged bundle, whatever you want. You're seeing, you know, I mentioned shop indoor golf, but there's a lot of places doing it. You have a lot of mm-hmm. options that, I mean, probably pre-COVID, if you want to draw a line in the sand to see where this is really exploded, like everything sure. else, like... Yeah. I think we all became a little bit more homebodies trying to make your make your cave your own. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's it's the it's the natural logical extension of that. That's exactly right. That's a lot of spin axis and stuff, Tony. We're gonna come back. We're gonna be gone next week again. We'll be back with wedge data and a bunch of other cool stuff. We'll recap different things that have gone on and and uh, as always, if you have questions, find us on the interweb. So. Golf Spy T, Golf Spy C, we're available. We're here to help. Let us know what we can do to help you. Until then, bye-bye.